to another episode of Electable, uh, sponsored by the Indiana Women's Action Movement. I'm Deb Chubb, and I am just really happy to be back with Angela Elliott um, from uh, House District 93. She worked very hard last year to uh, win the race to be the state representative for House District 93. We work together all the time, and it was just such a pleasure uh, to work with such an outstanding candidate. So, um, but we're back today because unfortunately, Angela Elliott is not the state representative for House District 93. Um, a gentleman named John Jacob was elected, uh, one of the most extreme radical Republicans uh, in our state. And so today we're here to do a performance review on John Jacob's uh, 2021 legislative session activities. So um, I think, um, some of it will go fairly quickly because um, as Angela has pointed out, he was not able to get anything out of committee, but we do need to know what his priorities were. And we want to absolutely compare that to what the really important issues are in House District 93. So um, Angela, give us a little, uh, tell you know, and, and you in your former life worked in corporate uh, America where you did performance reviews all the time. So this is right up your alley. So help us with a performance review of uh, John Jacob from House District 93. Well, thanks for having me, Deb. It's really good to see you too again. Um, and I, I did do a lot of performance reviews in my past life as a corporate executive at Eli Lilly and Company. And so that was one of the things I did all the time. And it's really important that we're focusing on what the job is um, and what the person in the job um, what brought to the table and was able to uh, deliver as far as results. And so this session, um, John Jacob just did a local legislative update where he uh, shared with us as constituents how the legislative session went from his perspective. So he shared um, all the bills that he put forward. Um, he authored seven bills on his own and then signed on as co-author uh, to uh, a couple others and then put to put forward numerous amendments during the session to other legislative bills that were proposed. So he was actively involved in legislation. Um, he And he also um, did what he told us he was going to do. He told us as a candidate that his priorities were to ban abortion in Indiana, to pass- Wait, oh wait, wait, so let me just, let me just clarify ban abortion under any and all circumstances, um, no matter the um, risk to the health or life of the mother, uh, no matter uh, whether the pregnancy occurred as a result of rape or incest. Is that correct? You're correct. He has no interest, and he has said this very clearly on numerous occasions, that he has no interest in regulating abortion. He wants to ban and criminalize abortion in Indiana. Um, and the uh, not not only for um, the women who might be uh, in need of that medical treatment, but then also the providers, um, anybody who would provide an abortion. So that was his number one priority. Um, and he told us that during the campaign and um, he actively pursued that. He authored a bill, uh, sorry, he co-authored a bill with Kurt Nisley um, that has been proposed for multiple years in the past that never made it um, out of committee. And he uh, signed on to that. Um, and again, the bill never, 
never made it out of committee. There was a bill that made uh, progress in the session um, that uh, would produce, um, add regulation around abortion and he opposed that bill. Uh, so um, he, has made, he has followed through, he was true to his word on, um, he would make that a priority and then he would work uh, hard on that one. And he did. Um, every opportunity he could find to um, bring up abortion in the session, he did. Um, and numerous times he was called out of order or that his um, comments were not germane to the discussion, um, but yet he did. He continued to push that particular agenda. Uh, his second priority was to implement permitless carry in Indiana. So that means that um, you would not need a gun permit to carry a firearm in Indiana. And uh, that bill also did not, his bill did not make it out of committee. Yeah, so, although, yeah, the other one, what, another one did that had um, some restrictions, but that one did not pass either. Um, you know, the notion of, although I will say that, that that particular bill, you know, they're not written here in Indiana, they're written by Alec, that particular bill did pass in Texas. Um, so, and it made it through the House of Representatives. Here, right, in Indiana, it did, right. Uh, yeah, in Texas, it was uh, fully uh, enacted, signed by the governor and everything. And um, so that means that when a police officer sees someone with a gun, there is no way to tell whether that person has passed a criminal background check or whether that person is legally uh, possessing that, that gun. Um, and That's in cool. Indiana, the, uh, in fact, the Sheriff's Association got up and opposed it oppose this bill. And um, that was really, that was ignored as well by the state house. So anyway, I'm sorry, I get, you know, I get started on this. So, okay. And all right, well, and so we might as well get to the, um, you know, the pandemic safety uh, regulations. How, you know, where did he fall on that? As if I don't know, go ahead. <laughs> so another one of his priorities is, has been, you know, he um, talks a lot about standing up for personal liberty and medical freedom. Um, and he has protested uh, outside the governor's mansion, protesting the state of emergency that, and, and, and really in, in protesting in total how Governor Holcomb has handled the pandemic um, in Indiana. Uh, so he continued to uh, beat that drum, um, put together uh, opposed resolutions to end the state of emergency. Um, and, um, uh, the thing that was concerning to me um, was I didn't understand what impact that would have on the state of Indiana. And it seems to be kind of a thread that goes through his bills as we're talking about performance reviews. Um, as a constituent, the bills that he proposes, I don't understand the impact or whether the impact uh, is understood of what those, the implementation of those bills would be. So if we were to, if he had implemented the ending of the state of emergency, what impact would that have on the economy of Indiana? What impact would that have on people who needed the, the loans that were provided through federal assistance um, for small business owners? What impact would that have had on food assistance um, funding that we were able to receive through uh, federal monies that we received because we were in a state of emergency? What would that impact that would have had on families that were really in need of those things during the pandemic. So well, not to mention the, you know, what, 14,000 people who died, um, what would that number have been? Yes, if, if, if we had 
what number would that have been? I mean, I personally experienced my own loss. My grandmother died of COVID um, during this crisis. And, um, you know, my heart goes out to everybody who lost someone and um, during this, pro during the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and it's clear that when he introduces these bills um, and, and I understand there was another bill um, that was seeking to uh, remove income taxation um, on any income that was not received from the government. I don't even know what to say about all that. That doesn't make any sense. But of course, the economic impact of that, you know, would just be, you know, tremendous. I mean, you, you cannot, I, I can't even get my head around how much tax revenue would be lost by that. And I'm not even sure, honestly, what the principle is behind it. So, okay, now I want to know what are the important issues? What should the state representative from House District 93 be working on? Uh, and you know, because as a candidate, you went around and talked to constituents in your district. So tell us what, you know, is important according to the constituents uh, and, and to their benefit for House District 93. So, um, you know, spending a lot of time in the district during my campaign, um, I talked to a lot of constituents and consistently heard what's important to constituents of District 93 are good jobs, good education, and a clean environment so that we don't get sick. Um, those are three things that, that I heard consistently are really important. Um, and one of the jobs of a state representative, um, and a huge part of the job of a state representative, is to pass the state budget and allocate money for the state to the priorities for Hoosiers across the state, including those in your in your constituency. Um, I spent more time doing listening tours in our district um, than our current representative did in, in talking to our district um, after he was elected. Um, he did two legislative updates. Uh, one was held at Planned Parenthood at Georgetown Road, um, which is outside of our district and was during a religious service. The other one he did just recently, just this past week, um, to at a church um, here in the district um, and shared with a small group um, his legislative update. So what, what I think is really important to note is that uh, the, the priorities that he brought forward, he has worked on the priorities he told us he was going to work on, uh, but there have not been the engagement with the priorities of the majority of his constituents here in District 93. What are we doing about good jobs? Um, and what are we doing about funding public education in this district? I mean, most of our children in this district attend public schools. Um, we do have a choice of which schools to attend. Um, we have those things, but how are we funding the schools that the majority of the children attend? Um, and then um, the third thing that I think is really important is that we're, we're talking about effectiveness. And what did you implement? What were you able to bring forward? What were the results for the people of this district? And um, unfortunately, we look and look at his record and look at what bills he proposed, what was passed, what he impacted, um, and it did not benefit the majority of the constituents of District 93. Well, and in fact, he didn't get anything out of committee. None of it, right? Correct. Yeah. So, um, um, <laughs> so he's his priorities are just, I think, uh, untenable and extreme and radical 
And, uh, and frankly, when you talk about effectiveness, we have to kind of acknowledge that he has really pretty much shunned by people, and not only in the Democratic Party, but in the Republican Party. Um, he, he's not, he's not, nobody wants to talk to him. <laughs> Um, because he is so uh, he shared that directly. He has he is happy to share with you that he feels he is a disruptor and that he is um, he is expecting that his colleagues will primary him or draw him out of his district so that he will not be elected again. Um, again, you know, when you think about a performance review, you know, when you're talking about doing performance reviews for senior consultants, um, you know, one of the things you evaluate them on is their relationship with others who have influence on the priorities they're trying to implement. You evaluate their ability to build coalitions, to build relationships with others. And I think this is one where we can also look at his performance and, and say that it was inadequate. Um, his, he has not built relationships within his caucus. He actively disrupts sessions and uh, pushes buttons that, um, that then cause his colleagues to not want to be involved in things that he's involved in. So as far as District 93 constituents are concerned, if we look at the person representing us, no one else wants to work with. So I don't think that does a lot for us as constituents to have a representative who is basically sidelined and uh, isn't really able to carry things forward that are going to do positive things for us as constituents. Yeah, it might might have been like the last straw, the uh, the post on Facebook uh, where he called Catholics uh, Satanists. So, um, you know, how do you work with a guy like that? Well, and I think that he, in his, both of his legislative updates um, that he did, uh, the first one at Planned Parenthood, and then the second one um, that he did recently within district at the at Althea Church, Althea Church, um, he, he, he's proud that um, he is a disruptor and not uh, working with um, those colleagues um, and actively calls them out and, uh, I think he he considered it a big insult, um, but he basically at the last legislative update uh, called his Republican colleagues and um, Democrats. <laughs> so um, I uh, I don't Relatively take that as an speaking. insult, um, but he certainly felt he was hurling an insult as he called his fellow Republicans. Um, basically, he called them basically Democrats. <laughs> wow! Wow! That in you know in light of the the you know the legislation that was passed that is so far radically right wing so um yeah wow i guess relatively speaking i mean i don't even know where to put him on the spectrum so well he uh, puts himself in a category called ultra conservative so i think that you know we can use his term um he believes um and calls himself an ultra conservative um, I've been trying to determine exactly what that means. I haven't found a definition yet, um, but I think his priorities of, you know, banning things um, and, you know, just really being extreme and radical in his, in his policies um, are the, the definition of being an ultra conservative. Right. Well, and, um, it, and apparently it also doesn't actually have to, you know, make sense. Um, you know, the notion that he's going to go out there and protest uh, wearing a mask um, to protect other people's lives 
uh, and call that, um, you know, his right to a personal liberty and yet criminalize um, women uh, who also have a personal liberty to uh, control their fate, their financial security and their health um, is nonsensical, it, literally nonsensical. So, okay, so what do we need to do now, Angela? <laughs> Going forward, what can we do? I think uh, we need to do we need to do a lot of work in our district and across Indiana to work on uh, engagement um, to you know, reset this narrative that our votes don't matter. It's such a red state. It really doesn't matter if I go out to vote. Um, it doesn't matter if I really know what's going on. I don't have any control anyway. And I think we really need to challenge that narrative and we need to continue to get engaged um, and continue to bring others into the process. Uh, I, I think that the majority of people in my district are not really aware of the extremism and the radical approach that our current representative um, takes to the state house. When I went to the legislative update, um, it was not well attended. Um, I think I, I wish that more people had been there so that they could really get to know uh, the the priorities and the stance and and what our representative is taking forward on our behalf um, at, to the state house in Indiana. Um, and so I think that one of the things we really need to do is continue to engage, be aware, learn, share with others. Um, I, throughout my campaign, um, we were talking with constituents and um, talking with people who said, oh, nobody's really ever talked to me about it before. And, you know, we're such a red district. Why does it matter? Um, I was one of the most wonderful things about the campaign to me was creating the space for more people to be involved. And for and many of those people have continued to be involved. So a lot of the people who were involved with me, um, like I was a first time candidate, the first time I had ever done this, a lot of other people who were involved in my campaign, it was also their first time being involved in that capacity. And many of them have continued. And I think that's what we need. It's a ripple effect. The more we engage, you never know who that one person is, you're going to make a difference in their um, their willingness and their um, perception of how much they have agency and can be involved and can impact things. And then that person will impact someone else and impact someone else. So that ripple effect, I think, is really important. Um, so what we can do as individuals is continue to do the work, continue to be engaged, see what's happening, learn more understand the impacts of the legislation that's put forward on our individual daily lives um, and just keep pushing forward with that. The more we do, um, I, I believe in that ripple effect and that we will continue working together. You know, we can really make a difference. Yeah, I can't say how proud I am of you and and many of the other outstanding women candidates that, um, that I worked with last year um, and how much you have really um, committed to uh, improving your districts, um, even after the race, even after um, the Republicans, you know, kind of squished, uh, squished our hopes, um, <laughs> you didn't give up. And I know you are now involved in your own county's uh, Democratic Party as an officer, which is wonderful. And many of the great women that we worked with have also stepped up and taken positions. And I am seeing more and more women um, around the state who had not at all been involved in politics before, stepping up and um, and learning, um, you know, how it works because it can be a little opaque, uh, and and just taking control of it and saying, 
well, I don't know how it works. No one will tell me, but this is how I think it should work. And I'm going to step in and make sure that it gets closer to how it should be. So, um, so that's really exciting. And, um, and I'm really excited um, to work with you more again and work with more uh, uh, Democratic women around the state. Um, I know that we are going to work on a, an upcoming listening tour in your area to really, again, create, like you said, safe space for uh, Democratic women to come out and let's hear your voice, let's, let's get active, let's hear what, what you need and what you wanna do and what issues are important to you. So we, we get a lot to do, don't we? Yes, we do. <laughs> there is no shortage of work to do, that's for sure. That's and, if right. you want, and if anybody listening to this, if you wanna help, um, we can certainly point you in the right direction and we'd love to have you on board. <laughs> that's great. And Johnson County is really um, a, a changing demographic. Um, there's uh, new great things happening in Johnson County. I think people um, are seeing the need for humanity, uh, you know, and caring for one another more uh, than they used to. Um, I know that Johnson County had its very first Pride Fest this year, so that's exciting. And, and that's and that, the ripple effect has been great from that. I mean, it has encouraged other small groups to have events. Um, I think it's just a great example of how that ripple effect is just really is uh, happening and, and we're seeing that. And, you know, our, um, our current new leadership for the Johnson County Democratic Party, um, we have a whole new officer group who's super energized and um, they have been really working on uh, making our, um, you know, getting us more visible so people know we're here, know that they're not alone, that there are more people who believe like they do and want the best for um, their their communities. And we're getting doing community outreach events. Uh, we sponsored the Wall That Heals that came through Johnson County. It was an amazing event honoring um, Vietnam veterans and um, just a really special event. And that's one of the things, that's the kind of thing we're about. We're about supporting our community and supporting each other, working together. We do solidly believe that um, Hoosiers want to work and they and that when they work together, they do better than they do, they'll be able to do more. Right. And that, um, you know, we need humanity in government as well as in our own little communities. And um, governing requires humanity. And, it, and of course, it requires the ability to collaborate and to, uh, you know, work with other people and get things done. Ugh. So, um, so I, again, I just, um, I admire your optimism and your commitment, Angela. You are just, uh, you are just a delight um, to know and to be with. Thank you. So, Thank all right. Uh, okay. Any other um, parting words you'd like to share with us? No, I, I don't think so. Other than just, you know, I want everyone to find their place where they can be involved understand what's happening in your community, find your space of how you want to be involved, support someone else if you can't do all the things you'd like to do, support someone else who's doing it um, and join us in trying to make things better. Very nice. All right, okay. So um, we may have to do this again. Uh, we'll see how things play out, but, um, but uh, otherwise, uh, until then, take care, okay? Thank you.